and welcome to this week's episode of Across the Cemetery. My name's Emma. My name's Josh. Um, this week we're continuing on from last week, which, which was literally the line of this line. Hang on a sec, the cats are about to have a, a WWE <laughs> WrestleMania thing. <laughs> Whoa! Loki. Loki, this Loki. is what I was saying about Loki. consent. I'm going to use my calm voice. Look at this. <laughs> Why are you nasty? <laughs> You're an airprint. <laughs> you like it? <laughs> Just read the podcast from there. <laughs> he likes it because he's got attention on him. <laughs> I have to edit out for fucking four minutes now. <laughs> <clears throat> so we won't do a big mad intro. Should we just continue? Should we carry on from where we left off last week? Yeah. Continuing from last week's episode, we're going to carry on with our exploration of the views of certain religions when it comes to the paranormal. Although the subject is becoming more open and talked about, the paranormal does still seem to have a sort of taboo shroud that hangs over it. Potentially that is because we don't truly know what we are dealing with when it comes to ghosts and ghouls. Or maybe it is deeper set in our society. Maybe we are taught from our social circles, education or even our religion that messing with the spirit world is something you simply don't do. This week we are going to take a look at four more religions from around the globe in a bid to better understand their views on the matter. You ready for the first religion? Yeah. Starting with Sikhism, we find ourselves at somewhat of a contradiction. Through my research, I came across evidence both for and against Sikhism believing in the paranormal. Some even accusing what they called educated charlatans of influencing the masses into believing in the paranormal by word of mouth, when in days gone by, many in the community were illiterate. On the other hand, however, there are those that reference the mentioning of spirits in spiritual texts, and that ghosts do exist and they're a part of the reincarnation cycle like every other being to exist. Within the Sikh faith, the word ghost is referenced in the holy writings and is used to reference the spirit of a deceased person in the context of finding eternal peace with God upon death. Or by re-entering the samsara cycle of reincarnation essentially giving the soul another try at doing the right thing so that they can reach their place with God. The teaching of the Sikh religions state that each soul in life is given the opportunity to be taught how to cross over from this world into the next when their time should come. It is those who do not gracefully accept these teachings that become ghosts, trapped spirits who are allegedly tied to their physical bodies hovering above it with all the pain and anguish that comes in tow, but with no meaningful way to express it as they remain dormant in their final resting place. One story I came across while doing my research involves a mass yoga session that was being held during the summer in New Mexico by Yogi Bhaijan. After around 30 minutes of guided chanting, the 1,000 plus faithful attendees were treated to a sudden turn in the weather. There were howling winds that ripped into the sides of those present, raptures of lightning streaking across the sky, which was then followed by gargantuan hailstones that assaulted all those on the ground. Instead of chalking this event up to a sudden change in the weather, Yogi Bhaijan exclaimed to his subjects, that there was a more profound source to the intense conditions. Bajan continued to educate his followers that the source of the lightning, hail and wind was in fact the ancestors of those present and the wider Sikh community. Ancestors who were no longer living on the earthly plane, but were stuck in an earthbound limbo, trying to break millions upon millions of years of suffering to finally make it to heaven. 
Sikhism is a faith that preaches selflessness and a life of servitude in order to make the final crossing over from our mortal lives into the land of God. Perhaps then, those who choose not to go down the righteous path during life may from time to time be able to display their anguish through vicious acts of nature, letting everybody know their physical body may be gone, but their spirit is still most definitely here. Oh, I think that's nice and I sort of agree with that. Like, I think obviously your body is no longer of use to yourself or your spirit still lives on. So like with graveyards and that, I do like them, but I do, I do think that people aren't there. Like the spirits are just with you wherever you go. But part of that belief in the, in the Sikh story or the Sikh religion, sorry, is... That the spirits can't that really leave the bodies. Oh, yeah. Just stuck to the physical body. But then body. they said then they said that the, the That was that story, yeah. Um there's a contradiction clearly. I think it's sad that they're stuck though, but they, if they've been taught how to do it, why aren't they doing it? But also the concept could that not be applicable to most spirits or ghosts that they haven't passed over in the spirit world, so they're sort of in a limbo, an earthbound yeah. limbo. Maybe they've got something left to do, like unfinished business. Potentially, yeah. Or they need to see something, like see some family member, like say if you want to see a family member graduate <coughs> or something mm. before you pass away. I mean, before you move on into heaven. Maybe. 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 I Sorry. I think that the weather was probably just weather. But I would like to think that it wasn't. It was I, some sort of... Yeah, but I want to say biblical, but is biblical the right word? I also don't want them to be suffering, but it would, would be nice if your ancestors did come and join you while you're doing yoga. But the reason for the suffering is their actions in the afterlife, so mm. swings and roundabouts really, yeah. isn't it? But shall we move on? Yeah. Our perception, particularly if you're from Western civilizations, of ghosts and spirits tends to be the connotation that they're generally a ne- negative prospect. Thus, if you were to come across one of these things, the likely outcome would be unease, fright and emotional trauma. However, there are other views on ghosts and spirits, views that may allow for them to not be feared, but to even coexist with living The Buddhist faith is one of those belief systems that advocates the fact that there may be spirits everywhere, but they can be for the good of both our lives and the earth we live on. For example, there could be a spirit for the plants to grow, one for the water, or even a spirit for the weather. There is a wide acceptance that there are good and bad spirits that may be of humans that live alongside us, or lived alongside us. Similar to Sikhism, Buddhists believe in the concept of reincarnation, that after death one can come back as someone or something else. Many Buddhists are of the mind that once your mortal life has ended, there is a post-mortal world that exists. A world that those who are awaiting reincarnation dwell just before their time comes. Within this post-mortal realm, one particular phrase keeps popping up, a phrase that is used by almost all sects of the Buddhist faith, the hungry ghost. Uh These spirits can stem from a few different places. Firstly, family members who have passed away may eventually become hungry ghosts. This happens when the living relatives of the deceased begin to think about them less and less meaning that the memory of their soul is fading into obscurity. This will anger the spirits, and when the time is right, the spirits can visit the land of the living to attempt to fulfil their need and desire to be remembered and cared for. During the Hungry Ghost Festival in China, held on the 15th night of the 7th month on the Chinese calendar, which is the end of August for the Western calendar, families of those deceased can attempt to appease any hungry ghosts that may be linked to their families. This will be done in the form of leaving food and drink out for the spirits to satisfy their desires or potentially burning what is referred to as a hell note. A hell note is 
something that denotes value, potentially money or worldly objects that provide a pleasure in life such as cars and houses. These paper effigies are then burned with the belief that they will give the spirit of their relatives money to use in the post-mortal world or fulfil their desires. The purpose of the festival is to avoid bad luck or punishments that may be inflicted onto the living by the hungry ghosts, should they not be satisfied with worldly pleasures. In Japanese Buddhism, there are also beliefs that there are that these hungry ghosts sustain off human flesh. Oh God! Should there be no offerings left out for them, with the flesh eaters being born into the spirit world from all those who have lived a life of sin? Alternatively, there is another type of hungry ghost that can exist alongside forgotten family members. This type of hungry ghost is created as a result of their acts in life, acts that emanate evil intentions, acts such as murder and rape. Those who commit these sins are deemed by higher powers to have led a life of greed and lust, a life that will pass over into the next realm as their spirits cannot be detached from their ill-wishing desires. Hungry ghosts can also stem from addiction, to anything from food to substance abuse. The rationale behind this is that the person in mortal life allowed their path to be guided by an overbearing desire to fulfil their addictions. It dictated their actions and moulded their personality. Unless repented, these addictions are then something that can carry over into the next life leaving the spirit craving more with an insatiable desire to feed their habit. The representation of hungry ghosts in the Buddhist faith is often depicted as a creature that has huge bellies and shrunken limbs, long skinny necks but with small mouths. They also often have mouths on their stomach, all of which symbolise the greed that overtook the spirit during life and their lust to appease their desires. This image is far from the western concept of a traditional ghost being a white sheet with two eye holes in it, but Buddhist hungry ghosts have much more of a long-standing history. Modern Buddhists may shun the idea of hungry ghosts, despite its long-standing place in the religion. However, it may be used as a cautionary tale to help guide those straying from the righteous path to let them know that if they continue, their life after this one maybe a bleak and tragic place i think i think that's quite interesting but then it was it got quite sad as well the, the first part where like the have a hungry ghost festival reminded me of similar to the day of the dead yeah, yeah you know like especially in the film coco we've referred to coco before but excellent film to watch it best film well not the best film but it's one very of the good best one. Film. um they do something similar with like worldly possessions and then the fact you see their family members getting them in the afterlife yeah um, I thought that was quite weird about them having like a mouth on their, their so, stomach yeah so basically what that's for is it is a symbolisation or a metaphor a visualisation of the concept of so, like addiction yeah, so the belly would be big and it'll have a mouth on it, but they'd also have a long neck and the mouth on it. So the belly, the mouth on the belly is meant to symbolise greed. Mm-hmm. So that's sort of dictating what the person's doing because they're trying to feed that that belly. The mouth, where you'd expect the mouth, but the long neck and the, like the tightened limbs and shrunken limbs is meant to signify pain. So they're enduring pain just to, to appease the. Whatever there is, so obviously it's not always going to be food, but yeah, that that's the sort of metaphor for it. That's, see that that's quite sad in a way because addiction is an illness in itself, though. Yeah, it is, but obviously, Buddhism is uh, what so many, many, many years old. It's probably it's going to be from a time that is it's quite zombie-like as well. The fact that they eat human flesh. That's. That was interestingly just Japanese Buddhism. That yeah. was just because there's, when I say different sects, there's different types of the yeah, yeah. Chinese, there's Japanese, and in the varying parts of Asia, there's different practices of Buddhism. Mostly like drawing their practices from the same place, yeah. but taking different approaches to certain aspects. 
It was interesting. I've never heard of that. I like that there's other spirits for like ghosts, um, spirits for plants and stuff like that. I thought I think that's quite Buddhist that you think of. Very Zen. Yeah, like you think of that, don't you? Yeah. When you think of Buddha. Yeah. So, while they do believe in spirits, that was like the sort of the negative connotation I could find, and the sort of scary yeah. connotation I could find of, of the spirits, because generally their spirits are quite nice. Yeah. Because they're spirits of things that me. Our lives happy. They're also nice if you appease them, though. Like if you give them the drinks and the food and. Yeah, but that's also again a sort of cautionary tale, saying that you should remember your ancestors that have passed yeah. away. Well, you should really, shouldn't you? You should do, yeah. And obviously, as time goes on, you do tend to think less and less, or, or go to go and worship. Yeah, well, saying that, like, there's gonna be a time when. The last family member that remembers the family who's passed away has died. So there'll be no one to remember them. True. Not necessarily true for everyone, but yeah. true. But, uh, yeah, you know, you're always... You, I'm not going to go and look for the grave of my great times five grandfather, am I? Because no. I have no idea who it is. No, true. But then you live on through your, fa- like your other family members, so... And also, it's not probably not possible because graveyards aren't really they go that far back. Great times five would be like the seventeen hundreds. Oh yeah, my nan, well, my nan and my auntie went to see my great great granddad in um, the beach in France. Oh Normandy. Yeah, but the, the, don't care. Yeah, there he, he has a grave there. Do you? Yeah. It's a tangent, but just, just sorry, is there another tangent? Seventeen hundreds gravestones. Um, I'll show you William Wallace's when we go to Scotland. Oh, I've been, I've seen it. You show me it again, but I've seen it. But the people on the other end of this microphone haven't seen it. Oh yeah, we'll take a picture and put it on social media. But that is a very, very picturesque cemetery. You ready for the next religion? Yep. Predominantly practiced in India. Hinduism is a faith that influences around 900 million believers and has seen practitioners as far back as 4,000 years ago. From my research, Hinduism and the paranormal are not something that go hand in hand. However, that is not to say that they do not believe in the paranormal. The concept of the but, B-H-U-T, is something that lives on in Hinduism. It is the spirit of those who have passed away yet have not moved on. Those who become buts are said to have died either before their time or in a violent manner. Further to this, those who have not been given the proper burial rites can also become a but, as they have not been given the proper service required to pass on their spirit from this world to the next, leaving them lingering and longing to receive the rites that will allow them to transform to a praetor and continue their journey to the next life. Hindus believe that these tormented spirits are real, however they also concede that they are not welcome and actively try to avoid any contact with such a being. A tale concerning a butt phenomenon depicts a middle-aged lady living with a large family becoming suddenly ill. This was unexpected and something urged the sick lady to believe that her time in this life was rapidly coming to an end. As a final request, she requested her family move her from the bedroom she was located in as all those who had passed away in the bedroom before had become butts and tragically lived in a state of limbo between living and the dead. Her request was not fulfilled on time. The lady passed away in her bed that night. After some time had passed, around six months or so, One of the younger ladies living in the house told of a dream. This woman was brought to live in the home through marriage and was not of blood relation to the deceased. Within the dream, she relayed that she had been contacted by the deceased who said that she would visit the family home on the following morning. Less than an hour had passed from when the story of the dream was told, when the teller of the story began to feel faint. She struggled to conduct herself until she fell backwards onto the couch that adorned the wall of the living room. Laying in a heap, the woman slowly began to regain what was thought to be consciousness and composure. 
but as she slowly rose, something was different about her, her features, that had been just as normal only a few moments ago, were now different, she looked like a different person. There was an insatiable heat that emanated from her, it could be felt from a few feet away. Hearing the commotion, the rest of the family ran into the living room to provide assistance. In front of all the witnesses, the collapsed woman was now coming to a full stood upright position, adjusting her hair to reveal blood red eyes that piercingly scanned the room, assessing each family member. The mother of the family immediately knew. Her daughter-in-law had been possessed by a butt, an unrested spirit. The mother boldly questioned the spirit, asking who they were and what they wanted. Shocking the room with its response, the spirit answered with the name Lakshimbe, the name of the lady who passed away suddenly in the sick room which she so desperately wanted to be moved from. Further explanation revealed that as Lakshimbe had been in such torment upon her untimely death, her spirit had not been able to make the passage to becoming a praetor, and as such, she had been forced to sit in a limbo as a butt. It is said that locations of trauma or suicide can become hotbeds for butts and will regularly be plagued with paranormal activity. Some even go as far to sell their homes should they come into contact with a butt. However, there are some preventative measures such as reciting passages and prayers at the location or setting up makeshift shrines that may help appease the spirit and hopefully set them on a path to becoming a praetor. That was quite interesting, wasn't it? Like, um, I think it's quite similar in the sense, like, you have to have a, a not a shrine. Like, we don't have shrines, but like in Catholicism, I can't really say. But you they, said it. they have um, crosses to yeah. like prevent people like pe- bad spirits, or they have like holy water, which they just seem to have the shrine all the time. Yeah. Um. To me, it, it was, there was um. A similar hint to what was said in other religions in terms of respecting like your last el- yeah, elders' wishes or that dying wishes type thing. Yeah. It, it, I think there's a lot of preventative sort of, you know, scare tactic stories. So you'll do it. Yeah, to, yeah. Like sort of, if you don't do it, this is what happens. Yeah, but if you if you do do it, then you won't know. That something bad was going to happen because you've done it. But you do because the religion says so. Oh yeah, but if you just do it, if you just listen to someone's last right. Like, why didn't yeah. they move? After, I didn't. Do you, I, didn't I think they were going to the plan too, but, but she passed, she, away, she passed away too. Oh early. yeah. Sad, isn't it? Yeah, but there you go. There's the story of the boots or boots. That was interesting. I've never heard of them before. For our final religion. We are visiting the worshippers of Islam. With a following believed to be as high as 1.9 billion, the Muslim faith is one of the largest on the planet. It is widely accepted that the religion was started by the Prophet Muhammad around 1,300 years ago, so in the scheme of religions it is pretty new. Believing and acting in the interests of the five pillars of Islam, fasting and making the pilgrimage to Mecca are all intrinsic parts of being a Muslim. But this faith, as many others do, also has its belief of things not of this world, things that are not even considered to be human. In the case of Islam, we are going to be looking at the jinn. I've heard of the jinn. Over the years, the term jinn has been loosely thrown about and eventually translated through into the more popular word genie. While the first thing that comes to mind for most, well me, is the Aladdin film. This mm-hmm. representation of a much darker concept is actually quite accurate. And while we are going to be talking about them in the context of Islamic belief, it is also worth noting that jinns originate from pre-Islamic Arabia. A jinn is alleged to be a creature of fire and air, one that can shapeshift and move of its own free will. Interestingly, the jinn can eat, sleep, and apparently procreate. Oh. Further to this, 
It is believed that such spirits exist on multiple dimensions, fluttering from one to another as and when they please. These free will beings are cited in the Quran and widely believed by the Muslim community, although, as with all things paranormal, there are a fair share of doubters. However, as part of the writings on jinns, it is told that they can take possession of a living human, using them to do their bidding, forcing them to talk in unrecognisable languages, or even changing the possessed person's identity. Happily, there are cures for the possession, namely reciting the Quran over the body of those possessed, or if the case is particularly severe, you could always try beating the jinn out of the person's body. And that's not <laughs> just me being weird, that is that was actually like one of the cures. How apparently. did you know it's gone now? You make sure it's gone. <laughs> Poor person who's possessed. Severe being. <laughs> Despite such effective, readily provided countermeasures for the possession, there are of course some terrifying stories surrounding jinns. One tale recounts that a man once got into a healthy routine of jogging. That's not the punchline of the story, although it's quite scary. I was say, why are you jogging, mate? <laughs> so he got into a healthy routine of jogging around his local park of a morning. Eventually, after continuing his new habit for some time, he became acquainted with a fellow jogger. The two men would spare each other on, holding the other accountable, ensuring that they were turned up for their pre-arranged jogs. After some months had passed, the two men had gotten to know each other quite well, often discussing their personal and work lives while out on their jogs, a sort of athletic therapy session. However, one morning, as one of the men waited patiently for his jogging partner to meet at the usual place, something in the pit of his stomach told him that he would be exercising alone that day. The feeling was right. With the agreed meeting time, now 30 minutes in the past, the man began to jog on his own, growing concerned for his friend. Despite the multiple efforts to make contact following the no-show, the elusive jogger could not be tracked down. Numerous jogging sessions arrived and passed, all without sign of the man's counterpart. Around 6 months had gone by, and the man had all but began to live with the fact that he was going to be running alone for the foreseeable. It was at this point, on a cold Wednesday morning, as the man trod the sodden path of the park around to his traditional starting point, that he was taken aback suddenly. It was him. He was back. The man's jogging partner had returned. Strolling over to him, with a delighted spring in his step, the man was ready to quiz his long-lost companion on his whereabouts, when, as he drew closer, he knew something wasn't right. The first thing that struck this uneasy chord was the features of his friend. While the silhouette of the jogging partner had been the same in the dusty morning sunshine, the closer the man got to what he thought was his friend, the more he noticed that his face looked different somehow. Upon reaching his friend, the man then began to feel a tension building in the air. Noises from around them seemed to just mute in the background. A weight felt like it was bearing down on the man's shoulders just by being in the presence of this person. Something wasn't right. He hadn't seen this guy in over six months and he just shows up again, not quite looking the same and having this negative aura about him. No, this didn't sit well with the jogger. And once the alleged jogging companion had removed his sunglasses, to courteously greet his long-lost pal, the jogger's suspicions were confirmed to the extent he was not going to stick around to find out who this person was. The removal of the sunglasses revealed the most dreadful boiling red eyes, eyes that sent the jogger moving back to where he came from, away from whoever this imposter was, in more of a sprint than a jog. The jogger never did happen upon his once fondly admired exercise partner again in that park. But the haunting memory of that encounter makes the hair on the back of his neck stand on end every time he rounds that corner, ready to start his morning routine. When people mention that there is the potential for spirits, 
There are unseen to enter into our world and interact with us in the ways that we are not accustomed to. I think that most people do initially expect the absolute worst. And while there are cases of negative encounters and possessions, such as the one I have just read, I think it is worth noting that the jinn can also be a positive force coming into people's lives. It is widely accepted by Muslims that while a jinn can be evil and have evil intent, there are the type of jinn out there that want to help, as is the case with living people. One of the stories I came across wasn't a possession, but more of a helpful jinn looking out for a stressed mother. The tale goes that there was a mother who was sobering off her feet, trying to organise her children's lives, clothe them, feed them, and not to mention care for her partner at the same time. This had resulted in their home becoming somewhat of a battlefield, as the mother had struggled to maintain a steady cleaning regime amongst everything else she had to do. It was during this time of desperate need that a jinn visited the home of the mother during the night, cleaning up the mess left behind by the family and taking just one of the jobs off the long to-do list that the mother had. While this helpful jinn may sound great to me, there may be an element of cautionary tale here, not so much to overworked and underappreciated mothers, but to everybody else and that message would be namely, keep your home tidy or you may be visited by a jinn. And quite frankly, if a spirit cleaned your house, you would shit yourself because things would be moving through the air and noises being made from nowhere and nobody who tells me that they wouldn't be afraid of this is a liar. I'm a liar then because I wouldn't be afraid of that. I would welcome that. I would love that. You don't need anyone to clean your fucking house. I do it for you. Well, I would love a ghost to help clean your, help you with the cleaning then. <laughs> what did the Dretrich and the gin of the Jogger wanted though? Well, interesting point, I guess, isn't it? I, I don't know. don't know what he wanted. Why is he retained? He obviously wanted something. Maybe he'd been possessed by a, a negative gin, and that negative gin was then sort of looking through that person's life to see how he could latch onto somebody uh, else or how he could gain from yeah, the encounters. Yeah, because he was a maybe. positive aspect because he was like encouraging him to jog every day, really. So he was like, no, so I mean, like the gin's trying to take manipulate the, that yeah, yeah. that trust or that sort yeah. of positive aspect in that person's life, yeah, potentially. So we we don't really know, but I think the point is, if someone's been possessed by a negative gin, there may be a sort of telltale signs with the red eyes. The red eyes didn't quite look the same. Yeah. Features just changed, very similar to the butt in Hinduism. Yeah. So. I've got a couple of discussion points. So throughout this two-part episode, I have covered numerous different religions, seven in total, I think it was, when it comes to the paranormal. If I've mispronounced any words or gotten any of the concepts wrong, then I do apologise, but I have links to all of my research sources if anybody would like any further information on anything I have mentioned. With this episode, I don't so, so much have theories as I do discussion points. Of which I have two. Oh, go on then. So number one, I'll I'll do number one, then we'll discuss it, and I'll do number two. Yeah. This theory stems from an article that I read on theconversation.com. It is entitled "How the God You Worship Influences the Ghosts You See," and does exactly what it says on the tin. It explores how different religions and different religious upbringings may in fact alter your perception when it comes to the paranormal. The article mentions how Protestants, Muslims and Catholics all believe in resurrection and judgement, but their holy texts provide guidance on how to get the judgement you want, i.e. generally be a good person. The argument here is that those who are devout followers of a religion are more likely to not be afraid of the paranormal as their fears of death have been put at ease by their religious learnings. On the other hand, however, the article cites evidence that perhaps those who are a bit religious but do not follow the teachings devoutly are more likely to believe in ghosts and the paranormal as potentially they are less aware 
of the teaching of the religion when it comes to death. Adding to this, that most religions have varying spirits, demons and angels. One who doesn't fully immerse themselves in their chosen faith may find themselves in a sort of fear-inducing limbo where they believe these spirits exist but don't know their purpose, either good or bad. Yeah. Which, of course, will lead them to fear the unknown. I, I think that with us, in a way, like, obviously we're not religious, but I think... Well, I I do think there is something because there's got to be something. You can't just pass away and that's it. Has there got to be something, or is that you want to do, there to be something? Well, yeah, because I want there to be ghosts. So, but <sighs> I I think um, if I always think like, oh God, if we don't believe in this, what happens when like we have to when we do pass away and we have to go to like heaven or hell? Like, are we just gonna be in limbo because we're not religious? Potentially, but then the argument is you can change religion. So what's to say that is the case? Because it, you could be a devout Christian for the re- for your whole life and then one day just decide, okay, I now want to follow the Muslim faith and yeah. then do everything right by, um, the, b- yeah. by the Muslim religion or, or Islam. Yeah. So that's that, that's where it sort of falls down for me as well in terms of religion I know it's getting off the top a little bit it sort of falls down for me because you can change your religion but also get to a similar result yeah but they're all pretty similar aren't they they all have similar connotations and similar aspects like we've touched on all the possessions have similar like you, you read like writings from their holy Sorry, our door just opened and we both looked at each other like, oh god. <laughs> I hope it was Loki. <laughs> um yet they all have like you read from like the holy text of that religion mm. to get rid of it. Or in another case you beat the gin out of them. I don't think you really do that in any other religions. That just sounds like a Saturday night downtown. Yeah, or uh, yeah. But I'm punch. Um <laughs> So that's it was that discussion point is not the, obviously the be all end all. That is one article mm-hmm. on one website that I found. But I thought it was quite an interesting point in that people who are religion tend to be less into paranormal things because they sort of have put their mind at ease of what will happen after yeah, death. Yeah, I was going to say they accept what's going to happen. Yeah, they, yeah, and they sort of know what they need to do in order to get to where they want to be. Yeah. Whereas those who have a sort of grasp on the religion and get what get get the main points but don't really delve into it too much have a sort of fear of the unknown and that's why they believe in paranormal more because they know it's possible for it to exist they just don't know how and why and ways to navigate it essentially so i I thought it was quite an interesting point to make yeah whether it's you know true or not i don't know we never will, really, though, will we? It'd be a really fucking awkward survey to, to conduct, <laughs> Although we do live, like, near a church, so yeah, we, we, do. we could just stand outside on a Sunday. Do you believe in ghosts? We probably get laughed at, though. By all three people that still go. <laughs> Loads of people go to that church. Do they? Yeah. I'm on the Facebook group as well. They have a coffee morning on a Thursday. You certainly are never up early enough to go to church. No. I am up quite early, quite a lot. Church is like 11 o'clock on a Sunday. Exactly. I'm up before then. Okay. Oh my God, I am. She said that in a way she had to prove something. Sometimes I like to have a nap if I don't, if I don't have a lie-in, but I am up. Let's hear my second yes. point. So, this theory is something I came up with while reading through the various stories and articles online. It is mostly centred around Christianity and the Islamic faith. In both of these religious groups, it is possible for a person to be possessed either by a jinn or a demon of some kind. Now, while there are cases that are of exorcism that are well documented in history, that I think we've mentioned a few before, that in modern times, you know. Yeah. And Enfield and all that type of stuff. You mentioned the exorcist one as well. Yeah. I can't remember his name now, though. 
in modern times, a lot of people are looking to find the reasons behind this in medical science, namely mental health. There are so many articles about alleged possessions online that have turned out to be symptoms of schizophrenia, depression, and I've seen one that even blames headaches for causing apparent possessions. I don't doubt that. <laughs> yeah, when I have a migraine, I'm, I'm just in a fog. I I could probably be possessed. You could pro- I could probably kill someone and not know. Not really. <laughs> so why did you say it? I, I am in a like when I'm in a migraine, I'm in a fog. Like you'll have conversation with you, and then I'll forget like what I've said. Yeah, but I don't have migraines, and I still think I've told you things that I haven't. True, actually, you did. You thought you told me something the other I day. I literally thought I'd said it like four times, <laughs> and I hadn't said it once. Because you drink too much beer. I hardly ever drink. <laughs> I just drink it today because it's a very stressful day. It's been a very stressful week. It's only Tuesday. <laughs> and a very stressful week. My point is that in the modern world that we live in, is it possible that we've become too cynical or too theoretical that our society can't allow the existence of spirits outside of human form? At least without trying to use some form of logic to explain them away. Even though there is proof of their existence in multiple religious texts that predates even some of the countries that we live in. I think we are quite too cynical. I think none of us have, like, belief anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'd agree. Like, we are just quick to prove it, like, especially with the internet as well. Yeah, I think we're... Uh, worldwide, I know that obviously many varying age ranges were in an age, a generation in the grand scheme of things that are addicted to information. Yeah. So we need we, we need to have a satisfactory answer for everything. Yeah. Which sort of takes the allure away from things. So I don't think and I think it's sad and I know this is something I didn't think I didn't think I'd be saying this today. I don't think children growing up will have the Disney moment that we had. Like when you see the castle? No, in terms of when you watch a film or you get read a book or you read a book and you have that you know that moment where you just it, the the story is just a yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah. But it's you, you are yes, this is fantastic, yeah. this is a magical moment. I don't think children grown up now will have these moments anymore. Simply because they're being brought up into a world not not the issue, not their problem, not their wrongdoing but they're being brought into a world by people who need to know the real answer to everything so with medical science and science in general being as advanced as it is, which is a fantastic thing, but I think that provides a lot of answers for everything, so it takes away that sort of magic Yeah, and you also like you always like want to be proved, like you want to prove people wrong as well, like Say if you were arguing with your friend about something, you're quick to Google it to say, well, yeah. th- this is what I, this is it. Which is a very egotistical thing to yeah. do, really, isn't it? You need to be right, which I'm guilty of doing I've myself. done it. <laughs> so I think because we're all prone to that now, we can't really take stuff as gospel. Like, we just, we're like, no, I can, I'm going to read about it. No, I can look on the internet. No, I've seen this on Facebook. I like you putting it in the religious episode of gospel. I was actually didn't mean that. <laughs> no, but your your point is valid, and I agree with it. It's we live in a world where we need answers for everything, and I'm the same though. If I don't have an answer for something, I I do stress me out. I think it's made us a more efficient world, and potentially a better world in terms of looking towards preserving the world we live in. Yeah, but so, it, it is nice if you, people believe in stuff, especially kids. Like yeah. Santa, I don't think kids are going to believe in Santa much longer because they'll just Google it. And they were on a tangent. What do you mean, believe in Santa? Oh, sorry, Josh, I hate to break it to you. He tracked Santa on Christmas Eve. <laughs> of course, is it? <laughs> I do too. But yeah, sorry, Josh. So, so trying to out me when you do exactly the same thing. I know. And anyone who doesn't should. Yeah. Because it's like the one time of the year you can just be a big kid. Exactly, and you should believe in Santa. And we're on a tangent, but 
Yeah, I think. But I uh, know th- it's very topical, and it is—it's not a tangent because it is applicable to what we're speaking of. So, because that magic's taken away, and as we grow, well, as the world progresses, as a race of people, or as the human race, it needs answers for everything. I don't think we're gonna have—we're gonna have less and less people who just like solely believe that ghosts are, are real or the true or religion i think i think we'll still have religion i think to a lesser extent yeah because i, th- I don't think many people less and less people are be- are religious now i think and then more people argue with what it says as well like when it says like in some things that you can't be gay or you can't have abortions people are arguing that now because it's not right so even though we're still yeah. believing in stuff people are more argumentative now people have more of a say in yeah everything. Because the church used to rule everything. I'm not saying it still doesn't rule things, but we're more like stand up for ourselves now. Mm. And you're not accused of witchcraft if you just don't want if you don't want to marry a certain person, or if you use a green tea. <laughs> yeah, so I think we really have gone <laughs> right right off topic here. But I think the point we're making is. That because we're quite a cynical race as human beings now, we need an answer for everything. So we can't just put put possessions down, alleged possessions down to spirits or demons or jinns or, or whatever it might be. We have to have an answer, which is generally found in mental health. I think a lot of mental health is similar to um, possess- like possession yeah. symptoms. So that's the thing. It might be. It, it, it could it, be. It, it may be right, and it probably yeah. is right. I think it is right, and I, I don't really want to believe in possessions because I don't want people to be possessed. But at the same time, I don't really believe in them because I think there will always be like a scientific answer for that type of behaviour. Mm. I, I think law of averages, some possession cases must be real. Mm, I do, but I don't. I, I don't think you'd be more cynical than I am. About I'm more pos- level-headed than you. About possessions, yes. Only because I'm really passionate about mental health. No. I think there's just some things that can't be explained. Yeah, you're right. But there's always seems to be like an underlying like touch upon that they have suffered from mental illness or they, they were in a bad place. And... Agreed. But is that not just harping back to because that person's in a more vulnerable place, they're more susceptible to paranormal activity? That is true, but if you go looking for something, you're gonna find it. So, like, you're in a bad place. So, something bad happens to you. And you're like, oh god, I'm possessed. I acted a certain way. I need something to blame. I'll. But I'll what if that them. person's not saying they're possessed? What if that person is just acting really, really strangely? What if that person starts fucking floating or some shit? If they start floating, I wouldn't say that was mental health. I would say that was. <laughs> That must be some fucking gravity's broken. <laughs> Isaac and Newton's getting involved. Yeah, I want a refund. <laughs> fucking apple fell upwards. So I think that might be a thing. I yeah. think yeah. <laughs> Should we just stop? So it? we've covered religion. <laughs> um, there's seven religions. I know there's other religions in the world, but well, there's seven I could think of. Um, if you if you practice a certain religion and you have paranormal aspects of your belief or you have experienced similar aspects maybe you maybe you've been subject to a gin or maybe you've partaken in the hungry ghost ceremony ceremony mm. festival yeah I'd, I'd like to look a bit more into it there's yeah. definitely different aspects i'd like to look a bit more into gins i'd like to look more into because i think there's a lot of crossover between you know eastern civilization which or Middle Eastern, where where Islam yeah. and, and Muslims generally originate from, yeah. and the Western Christianity. Mm-hmm. But then again, which is weird because Christianity then stems also from the Middle East. But you know, and paganism. Paganism, that is something that I didn't touch on. But there was part of, and I, I'm pretty sure it was in Catholicism. The pagans were a big part of it. Yeah, a lot of that's like stemmed from paganism, like the Yule. You know, the Yule log and the Christmas tree, they came from yeah. paganism. So it'd be interesting. Obviously, there's a lot of folklore, which I didn't include 
because I think that is just sort of different. It's a different kettle of fish, really, isn't it? Yeah. So that we've touched briefly. There's a, a rustling from our hallway, and it keeps happening, and it's quite scary. Like the door just keeps opening and closing. But I don't know if it's a cat or not. One cat's there. Yeah, I think it's the other cat. <laughs> you can check it in the shadows. I get the sage. We've we've talked we've talked about like Norwegian uh, and Icelandic folklore yeah. briefly at, at the Christmas episode. So I think that's something we'll touch on in a, di- in a different episode in, in its own. Like I said, I think it deserves its own time. A folklore episode, maybe one day. Yeah, we can do. Mm-hmm. So that is our take on religion. As Emma said, any thoughts theories, experiences, or insights you may have, please send them to acrossthecemetery at gmail.com. You can reach us on social media. On Instagram at Across the Cemetery, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube, AX the Cemetery, and our email address is acrossthecemetery at gmail.com. Just in case you didn't hear it when I said Did it. just say it? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'm scared about this ghost in the hallway. Okay. I'll go and get me Ghostbusters out there. <laughs> I'll wait it upstairs. Oh, oh no. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening. See you next week. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Is that Robin Hood? I'll, I'll edit this out because you sound like No, it's not Robin Hood. No, but is that the one with space time? No. Is that the Braveheart one? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've seen it. <laughs> is William Wallace Robin Hood? Okay.